Hello out there to everybody in shortwave land. You're listening out there on the International Shortwave Station, WBCQ, out of, uh, where are they? They're out of Monticello, uh, Maine, yeah. Famous shortwave station up there um, on 7490. If you're listening, you're tuned in to uh, Amateur Radio Roundtable. This is a show that's going to start in about 20 minutes. It's about ham radio, amateur radio, and we'd like to invite you to join us. You know, most all of us, or many of us, got started as shortwave listeners, so... Uh, Please uh, stick around and join us. Uh, enjoy the music for the next 20 minutes, and then the show will start uh, in about 20 minutes. And uh, we'll see you then. And I guess we'll go back to Stevie Winwood right now, back to uh, the good life. Wasn't it back to the good life? Let's see. I don't know what was playing. Back to the high life again. That's what it was.
you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? All right, we're getting close to showtime here. Hey, I want right, to welcome. I'll be right back. Yeah, I want to welcome everybody out there that's listening tonight on Shortwave on WBCQ seventy four ninety. You're listening to music. It's our pre-show music uh, uh, for our amateur radio show. It's called Amateur Radio Roundtable. It's about ham radio. So stick around with us. The show's going to start in about one or two minutes, and uh, we'll be glad to have you uh, here tonight with us. And uh, you can always join us live on uh, Tuesday nights if, by just going to W5KUB.com. Uh, so uh, uh, thanks for joining us on uh, Shortwave tonight, and we will uh, start the show here in just a minute. Here we are again on Tuesday evening, man. Hey, we want to welcome everybody out there watching and tuning in tonight on our YouTube channel, Amateur Radio Roundtable on W5KUB.com is our website. And uh, if you're watching out there on YouTube, you can also watch it on our website, W5KUB.com. And that is where the official chat room is. So, uh, if you want to join us in a chat room, you need to go to W5KUB.com. we got some shortwave listeners out there. We'd like to hear from you. Send us an email to tom at 
W5KUB.com and let us know where you are and how you're hearing the station tonight. It's coming to you out of Monticello, Maine on 7490. That's WBCQ. I think I got a graphic here. There we go. WBCQ right there. And they always get a lot of snow up there. I, mean, I don't know if they got snow right now or not, but uh, it's coming. That's what it. Uh, that's what it looks like uh, from time to time there, and uh, it does affect the, uh, the transmitter sometimes. Hey, and also, uh, hey, we're on just about every podcast carrier out there. We've got people that convinced me just to put an audio podcast up. I didn't know why, but we've got a lot of people uh, that. Um, like the, the audio podcast. They can listen to it at work or driving in their car or whatever. And we're carried just by about every podcast carrier out there. Uh, my, my graphics here doesn't have enough room on it, but, you know, we're on iTunes and Google Play and iNet Radio and, and, and all, the, uh, all the, um, the podcast carriers out there. Every day or two, uh, another one picks us up and carries us. So uh, check that out if you want to. Uh, let's see. Um, need a favor from everybody. Let me see if I can figure out how to work this thing. Let's see. What am I clicking on here? There we go. I'm back. Okay. Hey, I need a favor from everybody. I need you to hit the uh, subscribe button. Hit that subscribe button. I'll help you out. It's kind of down there somewhere. There should be a subscribe button. That helps us out a whole lot to uh, uh, find new people uh, that are surfing uh, YouTube, and they find us by by the little uh, the little thumbnails that you see over on the right side when you uh, surf uh, around on uh, YouTube. So please hit the subscribe button. Hey, and hit the notify button, if you will, the little bell right there. Sometimes we come on during the week, and we will... Uh, uh, have some special live uh, event coming on, and uh, if you're subscribing to us and you have the notification turned on, you'll be told uh, or notified, you know, that, hey, something uh, something's coming on here. So, uh, yeah, do that for us. Join our Facebook group. We've got about 14,000 members in our Facebook group. It follows this group. Uh, just search for W5KUB in uh, Facebook. Uh, search bar and you'll find us there and we'll uh we'll let you join just like instantly man so join that facebook group and uh it's a great uh, ham radio facebook group hey tonight man we're gonna talk about hey i got my satellite station up and running i'm not real happy with it but it is running we'll talk about that got a little video and i got some pictures uh we're gonna build a curve tracer tonight uh you may have seen a video that alan did maybe months and months ago we may play it again tonight about the curve tracer and, and how we can use it and everything we're gonna build one tonight on his show and we're also going to talk about tonight we're going to talk about uh our pico balloons we've got um we've got uh some uh some another balloon going up tomorrow our last one w5kub-115 on uh aprs and it's also uh kn9uqb uh, uh that's jim's call and uh, uh that will be on whisper so we got so many balloons up we're having to use different calls on whisper or you know man but anyway, hey, it looks cold up there. Uh, you can see uh, there's Todd right there launching one of the one of the balloons this week. And I tell you, we were always taught here: don't launch a balloon if it's cloudy. If there's moisture in the air, don't launch a balloon. 
That looks exactly like some of the failures we had right there, but that may be a good day down here. Uh, you know, Todd's a meteorologist, so he knows what's going on. Maybe those are dry clouds. I, I have no idea. Yeah, it's uh, a dry cold. That's, that's probably just dry cold right there, man. <laughs> you know, so anyway, we're going to have some fun. We'll talk about that in a minute, and we'll see where our balloons are. I, I know the one launched in uh, Antarctica is moving about 100 miles an hour today, and it's trying, it's trying to kind of break loose from, I guess that's a continent, isn't it? Continent of Antarctica? Yes. Yeah. It's trying to break loose from the continent there, but it keeps getting kind of pulled back. I don't know if the, I don't know if the magnetic South Pole is uh, uh, trying to latch on to the track or what's going on, but it, it's having trouble breaking out there. Hey, uh, Glenn, how you doing tonight, man? hadn't hadn't seen you since last week, man. Come on in. Yeah, here. I'm I'm doing good. I mean, it's cold outside. I mean, this is seems like it got a little colder. We, you know, we jumped straight from summer to winter with very little fall this year, and. Uh, like it's been in the 20s or 30s every day this week in the morning getting up but uh we're moving right along you know i'm busting my tail on the book still and uh things are going you know real good with it so we're kind of pretty much on schedule um and uh, i'm thinking up some new ideas to to talk about like the e-ink displays and some of that stuff that stuff is just really really cool um one of the biggest things of course is it's super low power and it even retains its image after it's been turned off. So that's something really cool for our low-power Arduino-type projects. Well, that's, uh, that's cool. We're, we're looking for projects. You know, one thing that we have a shortage of is a lot of new projects on here. And, you know, when I first started the show, I, uh, I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to have a segment like on home brewing. I, I'm, an, I'm a home brewer from years ago. And, you know, I, I want to try to get back to that and have more things where we build it, you know. I mean, kits are great, you know. Kits are kits are good. Uh, that gets you started. But hey, a lot of people make their own kits. I've got so many parts and stuff in the in the closet here that I, hey, I find me a, something I want to build, and I just go in and grab all the parts and I build it. You know, I don't have to order the kit. So oh yeah, yeah I mean, it's, I, th- it's, I think that's what I enjoy the most is you know creating and building these projects for the books. That's yeah. probably the most fun part of the book. Oh yeah. So, I don't know. I'm going to try to get back in the building there. And, and uh, uh, tonight, we're going to build a curve tracer tonight on the show. Actually, it's already built. I'll give, cool. you, a, I'll give you a sneak preview. Here we go. Look at this. I'll give you a sneak preview. Very cool. There we go. Look at that. Look at that. Even yeah. got test leads. Even got some new test leads that plug into it. Look at that. Got a plug on there and everything. Well, hearing you talk about your satellite station, it's like... Look at right this. after I finish this book, which will be towards the end of December, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be starting doing research and getting the satellite station up and playing with all of my new toys. So we're going to have a lot of little pieces that I'm going to be putting together between now and then as well. So, well, hey, and and hey, my new toy, the IC9700, I just turned I, I turn it on for the first time, I think, uh, yesterday or the day before. And when did I get that? Back in August, I think. You got it in August because you won it at the Huntsville Hamlet. Yeah, Fest. yeah. So, you know, it's just I'm so busy. Man, I'm really busy. And, uh, hey, I need help. Uh, let me, I need some help from everybody out there watching tonight. We need projects. We need people that can talk about things. I don't have the time. I'm retired, so I don't have the time every week to uh, to, 
to, to find new stuff. So I need your help. In fact, uh, in fact, the uh, the job is it's, it's a pretty tough job here, and I'm even considering maybe next year. I'll just give you guys a hint. Maybe next year terminating Amateur Radio Roundtable. We've been on nine years now. We've been on nearly every single week for nine years. And uh, it's just getting tough for me. I guess at my age, it's getting tough to, to continue with this thing. So I need help. Uh, I'm pretty much doing it, you know, by myself with exception of, you know, people like you, Glenn, that join us and, and Bill. Uh, but uh, I, I need help to bring in, uh, you know, uh, segments and programs and people to talk about it and even help me plan it. Uh, so I don't know if, if we decide next year to, uh, to terminate it, maybe we'll just go to a, a, a non-live show and maybe we'll do something once a week, twice a week, once every other week, and we'll post it. And then if you subscribe, you know, it's on there and, uh, you know, you can watch it. A lot of people, uh, a lot of people's videos aren't live and, uh, uh, our numbers have dropped off. Uh, over the years, we used to, you know, two or three years ago, we had double the number of viewers that we have. Seems like more people are watching it after the fact right now. So anyway, hey, that's that's my thinking right now. But uh, hey, tonight we're going to look at satellite, the satellite system there. We're going to look talk about uh, the uh, Todd and the, the balloon launches coming up. Bill's in here. He might have some more uh, information uh, about it. And then we're gonna we're gonna build the curve tracer real quick, and maybe look at a video that uh, Alan uh, put together. It's about a ten minute video about the curve tracer and what it can do. Hey, Bill, uh, come in here. Bill, are you still there? Come on in. Yeah, Bill. I'm here. Yeah. Now, Bill, you got have you got better internet tonight? No, it's the same uh, lousy internet. Same. Uh, okay. Where we're getting yeah. to hear. Uh, they ran the fiber cable past our house in August, and we're just waiting for them to figure out when they're going to actually have it available to us. So they ran it past your house and missed you, huh? Well, no one here has it, but oh, really? uh, they're they're slowly implementing. It's through our power company, actually. Yeah, uh, actually running yeah. this. They're running fiber down my street now too, so I actually stand yeah. a chance at getting decent internet. Yeah, well, that's great. I hope you guys I mean, get it soon. It's going to be two gig service when we wow. get it. There you go. Yeah. Considering right now it's two meg service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, the word is that your second uh, tracker, the one with the circular solar yeah. panels that are facing horizontal, like it's like a cylinder. That one right there. Uh, there it is. That right there. one is going up. LBW five. Yeah, W5KUB-115. Um, if the winds are light enough tomorrow, uh, he's going to launch it uh, early tomorrow morning. And yeah. so uh, you might want to start up your uh, script for uh, yeah. that. It's, yeah. Uh, what's the call, the whisper call sign it's, on uh, that one? It's KD9UQB as in Bravo. So kilowatt Delta 9. U? Uniform Quebec. Yeah. Bravo. Yeah. Okay. So, 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 Bill, you know, I, 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 I'm a newcomer to this. I've only been doing it about three years. 
you're the expert, but you always taught me, man, don't launch in clouds, man. And hey, hey, we launched a couple of SBSs and it was kind of sprinkly and we lost them and that was an expensive balloon. And uh, and we, we know we can't launch in bad weather. But now I want you to look at this. Now you tell me, tell me here what Todd's doing right here. I, 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 that looks like some clouds to me. You, tell me about the clouds. Now they're uh, they're not a thick cloud deck, but they are risky going through because you can pick up some ice. Um, yeah, I was going to say those uh, look pretty those look pretty bad <laughs> to, to me. But you know, maybe it's a more of a dry cloud. Maybe you know it's uh, uh, maybe it's not too bad down there. Uh, uh, but uh, at least I think all the other uh, that's a beautiful yeah that's a beautiful picture because it shows them actually launching a balloon that might actually have been. W5KUB-114 with uh, Glenn's call, Kilowatt yeah. Whiskey 5, Glenn Coquille. So um, they're doing great. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> New Sky Ant, Antarctic yeah, Sky Ant crew. Do you have names for them? Well, you know, we've got six people up on two other balloons, so we had to we had to settle for uh, 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 Larry, Larry, Curly, and Moe on this one. <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, we got Huey, Dewey, and Louie on. Well, the uh, next thing about. Yeah, we got Huey, Dewey, and Louie on one of them, and then we've got uh, Daryl, Daryl, and his other, uh, Larry, and Daryl, and his other brother, Daryl, on the other one. So we had to go with. What I can't even get. Man, we're uh, Curly Moe and what's the help me Larry. here? Well, we still got Shemp in reserve. Yeah, we do. He's still we're down in Mission Control right now. Yeah. So we hope that we hope that 115 uh, gets off the ground tomorrow, and uh, this is what 115 looks like. This has got the uh, the circular vertical solar panels. If you look at that closely, that that's the antennas. That's the top half and the bottom half that's wound up there on the uh, on the styrofoam, and we just glued the tracker inside the uh, we just glued it inside there with some adhesive uh, against the. Uh, side of one of the solar panels so we'll see uh he's had good luck on all the other launches they've worked uh well so uh we hopefully hopefully this one will get get out there and and, and work also that's actually a really cool looking design i'm i'm really looking forward to see how that one's going to i played with that out in the sun and no matter i mean the sun very low you know near sunrise or sunset i mean it, it hits it just straight on so, how much extra weight did that add to the whole thing? Well, I think this guy came in at about 22 grams, 24 grams maybe. So it, it added some it added some weight to it for sure. And uh, even even this other one, this is a 114 it's flying right here. I mean, that's the entire tracker there, guys. We I had an old if you if you look closely at that cell, that's a glass, a real thick Poly glass cell, and uh, I've got a, about a dozen of those. I was you? playing around with those exact cells, yeah, uh, several years ago. But they weigh eighteen grams just by themselves. Yeah, so I never yeah, one. yeah. So you know, but so they're sturdy as all get out. You can't break it. And one of the uh, one of our, our uh, I guess, rules of sending our trackers down. If we put those little glass cells on there. 
they wouldn't have made it. They would have gotten broken. The guy at, at customs would have picked one up and stuck his thumb right through it. Uh, it, it would have gotten broken. So I thought, okay, this is uh, this is supposed to be uh, three volt at, at 150 mils. The thing's putting out almost five volts, <laughs> and uh, it is it's it's really solid. I just got the tracker glued underneath the bottom of it there. That's the whole tracker assembly right there. It's two inches square. And that's the one flying right now off off the coast down here. And this, tonight it was doing about 100 miles an hour or close to it. Yeah, at about 36,000 feet. Yeah. Oh, hey, and Bill, I just wonder, uh, it, it seems all of them he has launched down here are around 35 or 36,000. Is that is that the uh, has anything to do with the the barometric pressure, or is it just? I, I would have thought helium would might have took them a little higher. Uh, these balloons, you know, reach. Oh no, he, helium takes you lower. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, but by, that that much by, a couple, by about two thousand feet lower. Uh, you're right. Using helium, and uh, not only that, the atmosphere is uh, um, for a given barometric pressure. It's lower in altitude over the poles, polar regions. Yeah. So I was thinking, you know, I was thinking, okay, hey, th- these uh, uh, balloons have have basically been floating anywhere from forty eight to fifty one thousand feet. I mean, these are flyers, man. So you take a knock well, a few. You're also running eight grams instead of eighteen. So yeah, well, that's true too. It makes a huge difference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess that did that. that Probably does make some difference too. Yeah, but so, the atmosphere is thicker over the equator than it is at the yeah, poles. Yeah. So for a given pressure, float pressure, uh, you're going to be at a higher altitude in mid latitudes than you will be at the high high latitudes. And believe it or not, south is still a high latitude. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm still. I'm. I'm just happy that all of them have, have um, reached float, and uh, they're all seem to be flying out there. Uh, now the really cool thing is, uh, I've been reaching out to uh, several whisper stations in uh, Australia, New Zealand, and the McMurdo station KC4USV, that is uh, in McMurdo Sound, which is just due south of uh, New Zealand and Australia. Uh, that's our big U.S. base there. Um, mm-hmm. They were operating transmit only. Uh, on Whisper, but it didn't look like they were receiving anybody. So uh, I sent an email to the QSL manager I found on QRZ.com and asked McMurdo to see if they could start receiving. And uh, lo and behold, last night they did. That's and, good. Uh, yeah. They actually were picking up Glenn's call yeah, I directly, saw that. I saw uh, line of sight as they went uh, near the base. <clears throat> and and uh, they were also picking up Todd's. Uh, um, tracker as it flew within their line of sight range. So they were getting ground wave reception <clears throat> as both of them flew by McMurdo uh, uh, yesterday. Yeah. There's and a question. I also have uh, Bob Sutton, a ZL1RS. Uh, he's the one that has these huge beverage antennas yeah. that are thousands of feet long than in, in his uh, pastures and his because uh, he's very rural and he has very low noise level and he has uh, positioned his beverage antenna south towards Ant- Antarctica and he's starting to pick them up uh, beautifully. He's going to fill in the gap 
when they get uh, a little farther east, there's going to be a gap of uh, receive stations. And uh, he's picking it up great. The way he steers his antenna is that he has a series of uh, electric fence poles with insulators that he runs his wire across. And he just goes out and moves them over by hand. He's got a little foot pedal on each one. And he just pulls them up, moves them over a few degrees, and jams them back to the ground and walks the hundreds of feet to the other end. Wow. So the beverage is really not a high gain antenna, but it's a very, very low noise antenna, and that, mm-hmm. and he's very, very rural, and uh, he, he's getting great reception on it. And VK five ARG is on uh, with a very low noise location on a mountain in Australia, and our friend uh, Mark VK five QI, he's uh, set that up to. Uh, uh, receive whisper to decode our uh, our uh, flights, and he's getting a lot of good reception there in Australia with that station. And in fact, it was actually received here in Alabama by uh, Shane and for XWC, and he's got a, a large beam antenna pointed that way, and he's got a low noise uh, environment out in the country, and uh, he's picked it up multiple times yeah. on several of the payloads, including, including your payload. Well, uh, so we, we're getting a got, lot of really well, cool long distance reception of fifteen thousand kilometers or more. Uh, one was nineteen thousand kilometers, which is completely on the other side of the world, a little bit beyond long mm-hmm. path from um, basically Antarctica all the way to. Uh, Alaska and lots of reports over the United States uh, that uh, are just almost 10,000 miles in distance. And mm-hmm. that's really amazing for 10 to 20 milliwatts of output power. Oh, by the way, yeah. I want to thank you for uh, um, convincing me to get that Regal uh, spectrum analyzer. I got did you did you order the spectrum analyzer too, man? Everything I buy, you're ordering. I, I, I need to get a kickback on this stuff, man. I'm your best customer. I'm your yeah. best customer, but it works beautifully and flawlessly, and yeah. uh, I'm just having a ball with it. That um, actually, the mini the mini uh, uh, spectrum analyzer, the mini SA, works pretty well, but it's so tiny and so hard yeah. to read. That is wonderful to have a really big. Uh, I got hey Bill, I've got I've got one of those, and I've got the the V the the VNA and the tiny SA. I I haven't even used things. It's so small, and you got to click through so many little menus and stuff. And uh, oh man, I don't know. I I, well, just, I need something with bigger knobs fact, on it. The readings, the readings were comparable uh, from the mini SA. I mean the yeah. tiny SA. I'm sorry. The tiny SA uh, reading, at least on 14 megahertz, were pretty close to what I re- what I got in Regal. The uh, reverse is a little more uh, got better resolution, uh, but uh, it really was comparable as far as measuring peaks and power levels and yeah. spectral spectrum. So yeah. I, I was really impressed with it. But I had to use a magnifying glass on it to see the see the uh, play on that uh, tiny SA, but I'm, for uh, under $100, you really can't beat that. But uh, the Regal is a true lab 
uh, quality. Uh, it, it, it looks uh, good. With a yeah. calibration chart, no less. Looks good. And it will it really performed uh, just, it's very similar to the, my HP spectrum analyzer that weighs about 30 tons. Mm-hmm. My old HP, it's, it's right up there with that. So I, I was impressed with it. Well, you know, I, uh, uh, and you know, I bought a commission for just the items I bought that you've recommended. You'd be a very wealthy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. Cool. Well, you know, Hey, uh, tonight we're going to talk a little about the, uh, curve tracer and, uh, uh, you know, I, I bought that scope. I can't pronounce the name F nursey. I don't know what it is, but you know, it's a neat little scope. Uh, probably could have done better, but, uh, so I build this, uh, I build this curve tracer up, and I, I'm, and I connect it up to it, and I'm not getting. I'm thinking, this is, it doesn't look right. I can't, I can't see the patterns like I'm supposed to. And I start thinking, okay, I need to be in an XY mode, and will this new digital uh, uh, scope go into XY mode? You know, all all the old analog scopes, you get about four or five switches you flip, you know, to put it in X, XY mode and all that. Well. I finally in the menu I found it does have XY mode and uh, I uh, I set it and uh, oh my curve tracer I can see the the uh, the, the waveforms now but uh, the scope seems a little slow on the waveforms uh, with the uh, tracer so, so I don't know but we're gonna build a tracer tonight hey somebody asked in the chat room about customs you know Todd did God probably didn't have to go through any customs going to Antarctica since uh, Maybe that's not a real country down here. I don't know. But, uh, you know, hey, I, I, I tell you, I, I traveled a lot internationally uh, many, many years from here to Europe and back. And the, the Asia trips were the ones that would kill you. But uh, I'm sure this trip it was, a, was a pretty bad one that Todd had to make because he, I guess he probably went in. I'm guessing he went into Germany or somewhere into Europe. And from there, he had to fly all the he way down. He went into uh, Germany. Yeah. Tom, he went to Germany and then to South Africa. Right. And then they had a charter flight, South Africa. And, of course, they clear everything. Of, yeah. You know, they, it's all scientific research equipment. And then they go down to a, a way station air, airfield in Antarctica and then a ski plane from there to the Ger- German uh, Neumeier. Yeah. Station. So so yeah, he had you, you know he, he had yeah. a lot of flights. He he had a lot of long distance flights to take and hey, that's where I was afraid it was gonna broken. I'm sure in Cape uh what is and it? And the Cape airfare Cove? is about twenty thousand twenty thousand dollars. So if you want to tag along. <laughs> oh yeah. Well and you well, know, can't you use you your know, he flyer miles for that? He uh he hand carried all the trackers on. There was a bunch of trackers, man, and those things some of them are that's why we didn't go with the brittle the ones that would break so easy. So I just knew somebody's going to pull it out of his bag and inspect it at, at Cape Hope or wherever that is down here, and you know break it, and then then would then you know then it wouldn't wouldn't have flown. So what we did was we ensured that it was unbreakable pretty much, and uh, looks like uh, they're flying, even though they're well, heavy. They're doing they're doing flying. real good. I've been watching mine, and I think that's really cool. Yeah. Hey, let me just mention to people listening out there in Troy, they probably have no idea what we're talking about. We're, we, uh, uh, our group uh, flies some little, we call them Pico balloons. They're small party-sized balloons with helium or hydrogen. 
And we have a tracker that we build and put under it. And that tracker will transmit its position and speed and altitude back to a, a Google map uh, every 10 minutes. So we can watch this thing fly around the world. And uh, it's pretty common now with this new balloon that uh, we, can, uh, we, can, we can watch the balloons actually go around the world a number of times. And you know, Bill, uh, W5KB112 has been up now, I think, 167 days. Can you believe that? That's, uh, that's great. That's man. a lot that's of days, man. Currently over, currently over China, or I think, or Middle East. Well, I think that one may be over uh, uh, Saudi Arabia. We've got 113. It should tonight be clearing China, I would think, and probably going out into the Pacific. But uh, And it's only been up about 38, 39 days. But uh, I'm surprised uh, uh, 112, uh, 167 or 168 days now. So, you know, hey, back in the early days, Bill, if you could get one day and if you could get 10 days, you know, you did pretty good. You know, if you get 20 days, you might make it around the world. Now, man, it's like, throw it up there and forget it, man. Just check it every month. You know, it's still flying, you know. Uh, okay. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, what's the altitude on, on that highest one? Is it still above 50,000 feet? Which one's Oh, the 112? It's it's uh, somewhere around uh, forty. Eight or somewhere in that area. Yeah, so it's see. still pretty much above most of the storms. Well, and stuff. you know, and it's it's yeah, it, it's still at a good high altitude. It, it it's varying. I mean, uh, let's see. Right now, it's showing. Uh, I'll put it on here. Right now, it's showing. It is uh, at what is that? Forty. Forty nine thousand eight hundred and three, and that's not bad. And when it started out, it, it flew at around fifty one thousand for the first couple months. Yeah, but I've seen it go lower. I've seen it go lower than that, and then it comes back up and it gains the altitude again. Can that's you zoom quite in impressive. on the ones in Australia? Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, the one in, uh, in Antarctica, uh, the, where the position is now. Let's see if I can do that. Uh, are you going to? Okay, let's see. Uh, well, okay, here we are in Antarctica. Here's. Uh, 114. Let me click on it. it. Says we're doing 96 miles an hour, uh, and we're trying to break away down there. Uh, don't know. Now Todd's got a uh, balloon that's falling pretty close it's to well that. on its. It's well on its way to making its first lap around the world. Of course, at 70 degrees uh, latitude, uh, it is minus 70 degrees latitude it's it goes around the world a lot quicker you know if we uh, could if we could float one at about minus what is that minus 10 or whatever you call that or no is it no is it gets smaller or larger it gets smaller it gets larger huh it gets larger it's negative yeah yeah yeah, yeah. larger 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 what would that be 90 well it's the number is larger but the negative makes it smaller well yeah yeah it's just math let's just put it this way Find a pole down here. If we can get five feet from the pole and circle it, we can we can make good time around the world. Oh yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. So okay, well that's good. You know, I always get something in the mail every day. <clears throat> it's like Christmas. 
I think that's one of the reasons I like yeah. building stuff is I'm ordering stuff all the yeah. time. So it, it's like Christmas every day. Something cool shows yeah, up. Yeah, these came in today. You know what those are? Um, look like B and C attenuators, maybe? Yeah, that's what they are. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I had to get me some more attenuators. I don't want to blow up my, my new uh, spectrum analyzer. So oh, I got yeah. me some more attenuators. But every day I got some. Hey, I got a hundred. I got a hundred two in seven thousand twos coming in. Ooh. And that, that, that's not the little bitty teeny ones. That's not the SO twenty threes. That's the whatever the next size is. I, I wanted some of the little bit bigger ones to play with. So I got a hundred of those uh, MOSFETs coming in. And guess what? They cost me like a penny. Yeah. A penny of each. So I got a hundred of them for a dollar twenty three. Yeah. Now let's see if anything's inside them when I get them. You know, I use that for everything. Those are wonderful fets. The Tom, yeah. they are. They're, yeah, those are great fets. Uh, they're uh, they can handle some power, and they uh, you can use them to switch things, and um, they make a great RF stage too. Particularly if you're doing a class E amplifier, they're perfect for that. Yeah. My standard go-to is still the old 2N2222. Oh, that works, too. In fact, in fact, I think, let me think. Yeah, I might have to get my book. I've, I've done so many different ones. I'm thinking on, on 113, uh, W5KB113, which is flying over China right now, we have the 100-milliwatt uh, amplifier on that one. And uh, it's either using... It's either using a 2N2222 or it's using the uh, 2N7002. I think it might be using the, the, the uh, 2222, but I'll have to look and see. But the, the reason I ordered those others, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to redesign and use that MOSFET, I think, on some, some new amps. Probably going to be much more efficient. Hey, let's take a quick standby here for a minute, and then we're going to get started. Uh, uh, hey, we got a satellite station up and working tonight. And we've got uh, we're going to build the uh, curve tracer. So everybody, stand by and and don't go away. We'll be right back with you. LDG Electronics provides need from QRP to QRO, fixed stations, portable and remote. An LDG tuner will match your radio to your antenna using our lightning fast proprietary tuning algorithms. LDG is a family-owned and operated company dedicated to bringing innovative, quality products to the amateur market. All LDG products carry a full two-year warranty that is fully transferable. Support is only a phone call or email away. We're always here to help you. Visit us on the web at ldgelectronics.com. Keep your competitive contesting edge with ICOM. ICOM's high-powered base stations cut through the pileups, letting you work the bands and record those contacts. Contest from the comfort of your home or remotely with the RS-BA1 app. The IC7851 gives you a new window into the RF world and is HF excellence unparalleled. With faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal, it is truly the pinnacle of HF perfection. It has dual receivers digital IF filters, high-resolution spectrum waterfall. The IC7610 is a direct sampling, software-defined radio that has changed the world's definition of an SDR transceiver. Features include RF direct sampling, 110 dB RMDR, 
independent dual receivers. Create your own band opening with the IC9700. This transceiver brings direct sampling to the UHF VHF weak signal world. This all mode transceiver is loaded with innovative features that are sure to keep you very busy. It has fast processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. Included are real-time high-speed spectrum scope and waterfall display, smooth satellite operation with 99 satellite channels, dual watch operation, and full duplex operation in satellite mode. The IC7300 is the high-performance innovative HF transceiver with a compact design, and it will far exceed your expectations. This innovative HF transceiver digitizes RF before various receiver stages, reducing inherent noise in different IF stages. The IC7300 changed the way entry-level HF is designed. Features include RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, a large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope. For more information on ICOM radios, visit www.icomamerica.com amateur. All right, so we're back. Let me turn the echo off. There we go. Um, so let's do this. Tonight, we've got a couple things to, to talk about tonight. I'm going to show you the uh, setup for the uh, satellite station uh, I've got working uh, tonight. And you'll hear some contacts on it uh, in a few minutes. i got a little short video on that. Uh, right now, let's do this. You know, I'm always looking for some projects, as I mentioned. And uh, here's a neat little project. It's called a Curve Tracer. Just built this up. And, uh, put, put, hey, I actually put some labels on it. Hey, I like it. So, you know, hey, uh, out of the chunk box, I had some some of these Teflon cables here, BNC cables, which these really nice Teflon cables. I had the, uh, the banana plug jacks here, and I had new test leads. And, uh, hey, you never throw anything away, right? Hey, you know, power cord came off an old lamp or something. You know, you don't ever throw anything away. Now, I did, oh, fuse, see the fuse holder back here in the back? Look at that, let's see, yeah, man. So, I did steal the case, this uh, this box. Uh, I, I, I got this years ago with a QRP antenna tuner kit, and all the parts were in here. So, I dumped all that out in a plastic bag, and I said, you know, this would be the perfect box to build the uh, curve tracer. Uh, in. So let's do this. Uh, uh, Alan talked about this once, uh, probably last year. I'm going to run this quick video that Alan did again about the curve tracer and what it will do. This thing, it, it is so good for testing solid state devices like like, like diodes, zener diodes, transistors, LEDs, uh, right on your oscilloscope, and you'll see how it works here. And then I've got pictures of the construction of it, real simple to make. So uh, let, me, uh, let me put this on real quick. And then uh, we'll get into the real, real makeup of it here. So here we go. All right, we're going to do a video here by request. Um, this came after uh, doing my uh, video on uh, XY mode and uh, and Lissajou patterns. And uh, one of the very common uses for uh, uh, using a, a Lissajou pattern on a scope is to do uh, use a circuit like this thing called an octopus. It's literally been around for decades. It's a very simple circuit that uh, applies a current-limited voltage across a component. It could be a resistor, a diode, an LED, something like that. 
and then we basically measure the voltage across the device and the current going through it. And lots of circuits that you can Google, you know, Octopus Component Tester, and you'll get you know dozens of different variants of circuits. This one I printed out because it was kind of clear. But in the end, you can really kind of simplify that down to a, a simple circuit like this. It makes it easy, easy to understand. So you can basically see we've got a, a step-down transformer um, that's just powered off the line. This, you know, it could be a 6.3 volt, the old filament transformer, or whatever. All right. And uh, basically, we have a current limit resistor and a set of probes that would connect to our device. Okay, so we're basically setting up a current-limited voltage, an alternating voltage, going through uh, our device under test. And... Uh, by, we can connect essentially you know, from one side of the device to the other, you know, into say channel one of the scope, and that'll give me the voltage across the device as this test signal is applied. And then if we uh, look at the voltage across the series resistor, that gives me a output voltage that is directly proportional to the current that is flowing. Okay, so very simply, I now I've got a, a, a signal representing the voltage across the device and the current flowing through it. If we put that in XY mode, we can plot voltage versus current for a given device. Very, very handy. This old uh, Heathkit scope that I have here actually has a component test function, and that's kind of precisely what it does. And uh, so right now I've got the, the test lead you know, coming from the component test port open, and this is what you get when it's open because the the horizontal axis, the x-axis, is representing the voltage as being applied across the device. The vertical axis, or vertical deflection, is going to be proportional to the current that's flowing through the device. Well, there's no device, so there's no current. I just got a, a, a horizontal bar. If I take and ground, okay, my uh, my connection here, uh, I'll just you know, connect it up to ground here. See what happens is I get a vertical line. Okay, and that makes sense, right? Because as we try to turn the voltage up, okay, across the device, there's no resistance there, so the current just rockets up and down, okay? So we, so these are two, our two extremes from being open circuit to short circuit. We have these two extremes. So in between there, if we have like a resistor, we'll get, you know, kind of a tilted line. If we have like a diode, we'll have, you know, maybe an L-shaped line here. So I thought it would be fun to kind of, you know, show this, you know, you can kind of scratch build something very, very simple like this, and that's what I did. So I just have an old filament, or actually an old a transformer here, and I've just got you know a series resistor right here, and I'm just connecting up to, with my probes. And I've got a bunch of components kind of sitting in my, my little test board over here, so we'll go look at them. So if we go over here to my scope, let's kind of switch this kind of to uh, a regular, you know, just two-channel mode here. And I've got both channels coming in here, so uh, right now the probe is open, so this voltage here is representing, or this signal is representing the voltage that's being applied to my device. My device is open, so I'm getting no current flow. In fact, what I'll do is I'm going to reduce the scale on these guys and separate them a little bit. So it makes it kind of easy to see. Um, okay, there's my voltage, no current flowing. If I take my probe and I ground it, okay, then I can see that uh, essentially what happened is my voltage... You know, collapsed to zero, and now my, now I've got current flowing. I'm not triggering on it, but that's okay. So uh, now I'm triggering on it there. Okay. So, uh, but that's kind of what what's happening there. So let's look at the extremes now. Okay. Let's go back to let me go back to triggering on that again. If we uh, kind of go back to the X Y mode, and uh, I'm just going to bring my scales back down and 
There's our there's our open circuit waveform. Let's kind of put that right in the center radical. There's my open circuit waveform. If I ground my probe, my DUT probe, you can see I get my vertical uh, deflection, okay, indicating I've got a short circuit. So if we uh, go across a, a an ordinary silicon diode, okay, I've got uh, I've got one sitting right here, okay. If I go across that diode, okay, and come back here, now I can see that familiar you know diode characteristic. As the voltage goes positive, we go to a point where the diode turns on, and boom, the current goes up. Okay. As the voltage goes negative, okay, across the device, I get no current flowing. So that's essentially what a diode looks like, and that tells me, hey, this diode is good. If the diode would, would, was shorted, I'd have a vertical line. If the diode were open, I'd have a horizontal line. So simple little component test. I, I know my diode is good. All right. Let's look at a, an LED. Okay. I've got an LED sitting right here. So if I connect this guy up to the LED, and I look back over on the scope, I've got that same characteristic. The difference is, is that I'm turning on at a larger voltage, right? Typically, LEDs have got a larger turn-on voltage than, you know, a silicon diode, which might be 0.7 volts. You know, an LED might be one and a half, two, two and a half, three volts, depending on the technology for the diode. Okay, so uh, so that tells me that diode is good. Excuse me, that LED is good, All right? So uh, pretty useful. In fact, a good way to look at this. I'm going to switch back to kind of the uh, the normal mode here with the scope. Let's go back to change my scales, okay? I separate the signal out here. Now I can actually see what's happening, okay? This trace down here is the voltage across the, LE, uh, the LED. As the voltage is going negative, okay, there's no current flowing, okay? As the voltage goes positive, it reaches a point where current starts to flow, and the, no, and the voltage then doesn't increase across the diode anymore, but as we increase the voltage across that stack, you know, of the... Uh, component and the resistor, okay, and the current actually continues to flow. Now, as the voltage comes back down, okay, goes down below the turn off, the turn on voltage for the LED, the voltage will continue to go negative, and the current goes off. So, those two waveforms now, when you combine them up in the XY mode, you get this kind of, you know, your typical L shaped curve that you have. That's kind of the characteristic curve in a component tester for an LED, okay, and uh, so that. You know, kind of shows that. If we put a capacitor on here, a capacitor is going to just basically provide some impedance and a phase shift. So that's going to basically, you know, give us a an ellipse of some sort. You know, may, you know the, its size is going to be dependent on its uh, its value and the frequency that we're testing it at. So this is kind of an example that yeah, that's a good capacitor. If it was open, we'd have a flat line. If it was shorted, we'd have a vertical line. The fact that we have an ellipse is enough to tell us, hey, that's a, that's a capacitor at least is not open or shorted. So what's interesting is that I found this uh, little silica, this little glass diode right here. Okay, so I focus on that. No markings on it, so I stuck that in here. And if we kind of stick our probe on that, okay, and go look at my curve tracer, okay, now I get this characteristic. So what does that mean? Well, this says that as I go forward in voltage, okay, uh, the, the thing's turning on like a normal diode, so that's my normal forward voltage characteristic. But as I go reverse in voltage, instead of staying with no current flowing, it act, at some point, some current does start to flow. That tells me that's a Zener diode. Now, this diode was completely unmarked. I had no idea what it was, but this tells me that it's a Zener and it works. And I can do some further tests to characterize you know, what, where that knee voltage is and I'll label it, and now I know I've got a Zener diode for, for that voltage. So, uh, so that's kind of a neat, uh, a neat way to determine that.
So it's a nice thing to very quickly sort through your junk box of components to see if uh, you know the diodes are good and if they're zeners or what they are. You can even use it to kind of look at transistors. I've got a transistor right here. Okay, let's kind of grab the uh, center lead here on this TO92. Okay, I know this happens to be an NPN, but you can kind of you know even ferret out what it is. So if I connect up to the base lead, which is in the center here, okay, and let's look at each of the junctions, okay. I'm just going to touch them to ground, okay. So there's one of the junctions here, okay. Looks like a you know normal base emitter junction, kind of like a diode, so that that's good. If we touch the other one here, okay, kind of get that over there. Uh, if I could do this with one hand, there we go. So that one is that's actually I'm looking at it. It's the base collector junction, okay. So that one's good. What you may have noticed, let me put the, the base emitter junction back on here. Uh, if we look carefully, we can see that at the very end of the negative side of the base emitter junction, we're starting to get a little bit of breakdown, uh, like a zener breakdown on the base emitter. And that's actually pretty common. Uh, yeah, there, the, because of the doping involved, you will get a zener breakdown at a relatively low voltage if you reverse bias a base emitter junction. And actually, they make pretty decent uh, zener diodes, so you can certainly use them that way if you're current limit them. But this tells me that, uh, that both the junctions in this little NPN transistor are good. So again, it doesn't tell me much about its gain or other characteristics, but it's a simple way of uh, just verifying that, hey, this thing's not open or shorted or dead. So a uh, so simple circuit like this, variants that you'll find all over the Internet. Again, you can search for octopus component tester or oscilloscope component tester. You know, there's lots of ways you can search and find uh, variants of that schematic. But uh, that's how it works. And... Uh, you got a scope with XY mode, you got yourself a very simple curve tracer, and uh, really quick to kind of go sorting through your junk box parts. So anyway, thanks for watching, and co uh, comments, suggestions. All right, so, hey, that, he gave us a really good description of a curve tracer, and I, you know, 50 years ago, I, I was repairing a lot of radios uh, on, a, on the side, and uh, I had a curve tracer, and that was so cool. Um, to uh, be able to uh, probe out parts, uh, and and it, it did a pretty good job even with them in the circuit, actually. Uh, but uh, it's been many years since I've used one. I thought, well, let me build another one. It's, I want to build something for the show. So, so you know, we built uh, we built a curve tracer, and here we go uh, again. This is uh, this is it, and it looks pretty good. I think uh, it's better than most of the things I build. Uh, I tried to at least uh, cosmetically make it look good. And uh, we're going to look at this. I'm just going to show you what it took just to put this together. Uh, I have uh, uh, some pictures here. And let me just jump down to them real quick. And let's see. Here we go. Okay, well, you know, first, I was trying to find a little box to build it in. And uh, I thought, okay, what's something small and, and that I could put this thing in? And uh, so I thought, okay, hey, I've got hundreds of these old uh, uh, wall warts here, these little transformers. Let me just, uh, you know, bust this thing open and take the guts out of it. And, you know, I'll, I'll use the AC Part of it in there, and uh, the uh, the uh, curve tracer doesn't have but about three other parts to go in it, and you know, mount the jacks and plugs on the outside there, and 
You can just plug that in on your workbench and hook it to your test equipment. But then I started thinking, okay, you know, all these little wall warts here are switching supplies. They don't really have a transformer in there that converts your 110 volts to like 6 volts or 8 volts or 12 that I needed to uh, to run this. Uh, they, they, uh, they have a switching supply, which means they take that 110 volts right off the bat and they rectify it with a full-way bridge. <laughs> and, you know, they come out with about 150, 160 volts AC. And then they, uh, they uh, uh, run a little oscillator at a, at a uh, high frequency. And because of that uh, frequency, then they can uh, have a little bitty transformer. And the transformer in there is probably about a half inch square. Uh, but that's because it's running on a very high frequency. It would not run on 60, uh, 60 hertz. Uh, back in my day, it was called 60 cycles. But anyway... So, uh, you know, I busted that open. I said, okay, well, that idea is, is not very good. So, okay. So I started getting all my parts together, and I, I found my little box right there. Uh, went through my uh, my junk uh, box and went up in the attic, and uh, I've got, a, you know, tons and tons of parts. I found a, uh, a transformer there, 110 volts to, I think it had about uh, uh, 17 or 18 volts on secondary center tapped. So I thought, okay, that's good enough. I can just use half the uh, half the secondary. That's eight volts, <clears throat> and uh, 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 because uh, the schematics I saw were using a six volt transformer, but I think you could use anything. Probably as long as it's not more than your scope can handle. I think I could have easily used a 30, 40, 50 volt uh, there, but uh, then again, that might not be good for some components that you're testing. But anyway, hey, the banana jacks right there. I, you know, got my old fuse box out, opened it up, got my fuse holder out, uh, got me a little LED right there uh, that I, I'm going to put in here. Uh, uh, I, I showed you the Teflon coated BNCs that uh, that will connect to the uh, uh, to the scope. So there we are. I just kind of marked it out and laid it out. Uh, it's going to be pretty tight with that transformer in that box. But uh, I started laying it out and drilling holes in it and uh, try to make everything fit. And uh, so there's another shot at it, and there's, uh, there's the one with the parts starting to lay in there. And uh, the little brown square board on the right side there, it's just a little perf board uh, to, to hold the resistors that I needed to use. And we put three resistors in there. Uh, that, that's basically the entire circuitry. Uh, it was about three resistors, but we used that little board there, and we mounted it down in the bottom on some standoffs uh, to uh, to hold our parts. Uh, there's a look at it with the transformer more or less laying inside there. Uh, shot of the back. Now, right there, that's not the fuse holder. That is a clamp. That is a plastic clamp that goes in a hole that, that your uh, AC uh, power... Uh, uh, lead goes through, and that's supposed to grab it and hold it. Well, I made the hole a little too big, therefore it wouldn't clamp down tight enough on the wire. And I needed to get a fuse in there anyway, so I just put a fuse holder right there. So um, there's a kind of a shot at it right there, holding it there. You can see the uh, BNC connectors and the the uh, uh, test test probes we got. Uh, uh, again, another shot looking down in it. Let's see. 
Okay, so, and there it is, just setting up on top of a little frequency counter there and hooked to my scope there. Well, when I hooked it up, I wasn't having a lot of good luck on getting the, the, the you know, the waveforms, like the, the L and the straight line and so forth. And it just wasn't working very well for me, and I don't know. But I was getting that. If you remember, if you looked at, uh, you looked at Alan's video, uh, you saw one of those is actually the voltage and one of them is actually the current. So I was seeing that, so I knew it was working. And then I started thinking, okay, I've got to go in the XY mode. Now, will, it, will a new digital oscilloscope go in the XY mode or, or uh, uh, add? It has to add the two together. So I started looking, and Bill, I did find, <clears throat> I did find that uh, uh, in the menu, there is a menu. You can scroll down and, and select XY mode. Selected XY mode, and uh, that more or less fixed my problem. Uh, let's see. There's another shot of this stuff in here. Um, you look to the right. You see a little black uh, spot on the right side down in the bottom of the box. That's actually a piece of insulation uh, that I put above that perf board because if you notice, that fuse holder is really, really close uh, to the, uh, the little circuit board that's underneath there. And I didn't want something, you know, uh, coming loose and, and touching that 110 volt there. Um, but anyway, that's uh, kind of it. And of course, there's the there's the patterns that you get when you're checking various components there. Uh, the the tilted line is like resistance. Uh, the uh, you can see the other lines there that whether it's a Zener diode or, or, or a regular diode and so forth. So that's uh, that's that's pretty neat what this thing does. And uh, there they are again. Uh, bottom left corner there is a, a checking of a capacitor. And uh, it's just a really neat uh, little box to build. I don't know if I'll ever use it, but now I've got me one. So I don't know. What do you think? What do you think, guys? What do you think, uh, Glenn? Should I use it? Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. That, that's great. Um, now, the XY inputs on the digital scope is what channel one and channel two, or do they have? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's channel one and channel two. It combines them or it adds them somehow. That's just called XY mode. So okay. go to go to menu and turn a little knob and scroll right down to uh, XY mode XY and uh, just hit enter, and uh, yep. you're there. So we it, used to use XY mode a whole lot when you're in the yeah. the radio teletype <clears throat> because you were tracking your mark and space frequency or the mark and space detect yeah yeah and, and you would see the signal you know switch vertical and horizontal right yeah and a kind of an oval pattern so that and, you could actually tune and some of the some of the ready uh decoder programs do that digitally on them like uh, mixed w for example right has that pattern on it so uh, just for old timey sakes uh, and it's, um, it's easy to tune when you do it that way, too. Well, you almost needed that to tune it, really. I mean, I, I worked teletype for many years. In fact, in the Air Force, I, was, uh, I went to teletype school, and uh, I, built, uh, I built a uh, terminal unit for, for teletype back then uh, with, with the scope tube in it. And you're right. Uh, you know, if it, were, if it was wide shift 850, you'd see a plus like this on the screen. And, man, when that thing, you know. It'd be hitting like this, you know, and uh, you knew you got it tuned in. Now, 170 shift is more like 
170 shift all it was kind of like that you know 180 shift like that 170 like that but man you could turn that tuning dial and watch that scope and you knew exactly when you had them tuned in yeah yeah that, it, now it the neat thing is uh um if you've watched any sci-fi movie particularly older ones you'll always see a lisa jew pattern in the background yeah uh, yeah on a scope and even in the some of the more recent movies they always have one back there doing this thing <laughs> and that's just an xy uh pattern yeah hey speaking of movies hey bill you i don't think you were with us last week did you see the special event station that i i talked about you probably didn't uh, see it. No, no. Yeah, there's a special event station. Get the QSL card. It's the it's the uh, what was it, uh, Glenn? The anniversary of the making of the movie got uh, uh, the Japanese movie Godzilla. Yeah, that was a special event station. You got this nice QSL wow. card with Godzilla on it, and everything. Man, that was kind of cool. Excellent. So we need to we need to come up with some special events, guys. Okay. Well, hey, you know. Uh, there it is. That's a little project we did tonight. Boy, I'd like to do a project every week. It's just I, I can't seem to find time. Uh, it's so easy to throw together, uh, you know, uh, simple uh, shortwave receivers and things like that, you know. Uh, well, you should look at that new chip they've got out. It's the 4732 and yeah. that series. Yeah. They're a single chip uh, sideband receiver. Yeah, that's probably a game changer there. I, I had built some sideband receiver. receivers before, uh, but man, everything in one chip there—that's that's, that's uh, pretty good, you know. Yeah. Who makes that chip? Um, you say it's forty-seven thirty-two. I'm pretty sure it's the uh, the SI folks. Whoever uh, bought well, it, that, the, you can buy that. You can buy uh, that radio, uh, right? Uh, With it, there's a radio out there that chip in it. You can buy. It's yeah, I sold. actually have that yeah. kit here. I just haven't had time to assemble it. I bought one of those radios uh, that had a chip in. I didn't like the the sound. I didn't like it. It would, it sounded really tinny, and I wasn't happy with. It. I sent it back, but uh, you know, uh, maybe you ought to build something with that chip. Well, they keep expanding and improving on that line. I think they're up to yeah. the forty-seven thirty-five right now. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys. That was that was the that was the the curve tracer. Hope you uh, enjoyed. Nice piece of test equipment, and it has been around a while. You saw on uh, Alan's video, it's called an octopus schematic, but check curve tracer, octopus. It goes by several different names, and uh, I actually uh, had it built into an old uh, five-inch scope when I was doing that, that repair work. I actually built one and put it inside the scope. It was kind of kind of neat to have. All right. Okay, let's move on here, and let's see what's about. Hey, Tom, did yes. you ever have a Huntron? What was that? Or did you ever see a Huntron unit? What's that? It was a component tester, uh, loosely based on a curve tracer, and you put a probe down on a live circuit. Well, not, it didn't have to be you know, live, but yeah. you put it on the components in the circuit, and you could tell what component was and whether it was good. It was called the Huntron. Yeah, yeah. But and, it had and, different curve patterns on your scope. Yeah. Well, you know, this uh, this curve tracer. I used to have one of those, and it was invaluable. 
It used to work fairly. It was great for troubleshooting uh, blown out components. Yeah. Well, it and, and it, even the curve tracer when I used to years ago, it, it worked very well in 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 radios uh, that are, that were in the circuit. Of course, you know, uh, you know, if a component's in the circuit, it's got other components around it. You might get some uh, variation or, or uh, change in that picture, but you could pretty much tell if a part was shorted or open. Uh, you know, even though it was in the circuit, so it it made troubleshooting just very very fast. Uh, you didn't have to. You know, pull a transistor out and uh, you know check it uh, with it out of the circuit. Yeah. Hey, let's talk a minute about satellite. Now I know Glenn's got him a ninety-seven hundred. He's going to get back on satellite soon. And it's uh, still in the box. Yeah, yeah. I finally got mine out. So my three D printer is still in the box. Let's talk a minute about satellite. Now, I got a little just quickie here to show you on this, on, on my, my satellite experience today. Now, I used to operate a lot of satellite about probably 15 years ago. I was in it pretty good. Uh, but then I kind of got out of it, particularly after I moved to this house right here. We've been here about over nine years now. So it's been about, about nine or ten years since I've actually got into it. Uh, but back in early days, there were some really easy satellites to work. Some of the FM birds, I forget what they were now. Uh, AO50, I think, was one of the easy ones to work, man. You could, you didn't even need a radio, man. If you had a filling in your tooth, you could just hook a wire on yeah. it and look up in the sky, man. When AO50 came by, you could talk to it. That's how, uh, that's how easy it was back then. Uh, I always hated the sideband or the linear, uh, always hated the linear uh, birds. Transponders, because, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, they were much more difficult to tune and work and everything. Uh, that was it, actually my first one was uh, AO7 way yeah. back when. Yeah, AO7 actually, is still flying, actually, right now. I yeah, saw it that was interesting. Uh, I put a preamp in my HW101 on 10 meters so I could work that bird. And uh, interestingly enough, over the years, the, the, uh, the battery shorted out or something. And then here recently, within the past, you know, what, 10 years or yeah. something, the yeah. batteries opened back up. And so it's it's the live Nike, during sunlight. The NICAD battery had a, a crystal, you know, just one of those uh, uh, nickel shorts on it. And it finally let loose after yeah. about 40 years. Yeah. I was involved in the aerial test. They took uh, AO6 or AO7, one of the two. When I was in high school, they were flying it over the Midwest tested before they launched it into space and i actually was one of the several hundred of people that they uh that made contact through that flying in a cessna oh and cool. uh that was my first introduction to satellites and then in, to actually work it when it was in space after i'd done the aerial test was just a phenomenal experience but yeah i if worked those it are the good old days but it was only because so I could hear my downlink. I never worked anybody through it. But you know, oh, I did okay. hear my downlink. All right. Well, let me show you what I got here. I the log of that first flight test that they did over the Midwest <laughs> uh, before they launched it. So, guys, here's here's my satellite station here. And, uh, you know, I don't have anything really elaborate. But uh, let's see. How do I do this? I, I've got the pictures loaded crazy tonight. There we go. You know, I've got a pretty, uh, you know, pretty simple, small uh, antennas uh, uh, here. I, I've got a single 
I think that's a either 11 or a 13 element two meter antenna right there. And on the other side there, it's about 11 element 440 antenna. And uh, I've got two rotors there. Uh, right here by my head is is the azimuth uh, rotor. And then at the very top, I've got an elevation rotor that that, that moves the antennas up and down. So. Um, you know, I have to manually move them here, and that's one of my problems I had tonight. Uh, I used to be pretty good at this when I was uh, following a satellite and making contacts. I could work the azimuth and elevation rotor and kind of keep it on the uh, the bird as we were uh, following it. But I had a little difficulty tonight. Uh, uh, and also there's some calibration that, that I need to do within the software. I'm running... A software called uh, SatPC32 is supposed to be one of the best ones out there. And uh, it'll actually uh, tell you when, and it'll track the satellites as they come over, and it'll actually change the Doppler shift uh, as the satellite is, is moving. It actually tunes your radio and changes the Doppler shift and keeps you on frequency. So there's my antennas, uh, pretty basic. And, and up there, we talked about this before, uh, if those antennas are aimed directly west, it goes through that roof and through that attic. And if the antennas there are aimed south, it goes through another roof and through the attic. So I'm pretty clear to the uh, I'm pretty clear up high above. I'm pretty clear to the north, and I'm fairly clear to the east. Uh, but uh, you know it is working. And let's see, I've got another picture. Let's see. That is not the picture of warning. There's a satellite, uh, there's my satellite station, and what I had to do, guys, I'm running out of room on my desk, my desk where my operating position is, I, I don't have room for all this, and I had to take part of the end of the workbench, so I, I, I turned the end of the workbench to uh, uh, to set up a, a, a second station, so uh, if you look at, look at the monitor up there, the PC monitor up there, that's the program called SatPC32. Below that on the shelf, uh, that first radio to the left with the brownish-orange color background, uh, that's a TS570, and that's my remote base. We've, we've shown you and we played with the remote base on here. So that's my remote base. And then, and then right to the right of that, there's a uh, ICOM uh, IC9700 right in the center. Uh, and then to the right of that is the the azimuth rotor, and to the right of that on the very end there is the elevation rotor. So while I'm uh, uh, trying to make contacts, I'm having to, I'm reading the frequency, and uh, uh, I'm manually reading the frequency on the satellite program above, and I'm actually turning the rotor and aiming the rotor uh, dur during its travel. Uh, let's see what this other picture is. Oh, well, okay. That that, that goes back to our other project here. So, uh, hey, here's just a quick clip. This is, uh, again, this was basically my first contact getting it even working. It's not perfected yet. Uh, uh, I'm not I'm not aiming it well yet. And um, um, some of the birds, that they weren't good passes. If the passes are low, down, you know, one or two degrees high, you're not going to hear it very well. So, so uh, uh, 
some of these passes may have been low. Some of the passes may have been on the other side of my air conditioning system in the attic. Who knows? I'm going to play a little video for you here. It's a real short video that uh, uh, shows you uh, just to, uh, how this little station here, simple station, can hear some of the uh, the uh, some of the satellites. So here we go. I'm going to try to see if this will play. Here we go. It's about two minutes long. This is Whiskey 5, Kilo Uniform Bravo. Whiskey 5, Uniform Bravo, Kilo November 4, Zulu Alpha Alpha, EL 96. Roger, Roger, Echo Mike 5 5, thank you. see it was working a little noisy various reasons for noise I can't explain them all but you know hey I've got pretty small antennas but hey at times if the satellites in a good position and I got good line of sight it can be loud and clear you heard a couple times it got loud and clear now as satellites moving up here it's also it's also tumbling or rolling a little bit and what that's doing is changing the polarity of the signal from, from uh, vertical polarization to horizontal polarization. And all I have up is just single vertical polarization antennas. Uh, so as that satellite maybe tumbles a little bit, you're going to hear it fade in and then come back and fade, you know, fade out and in like that. Uh, if you've seen guys working satellite with a handy talkie and a hand uh, antenna, uh, a Yagi hand antenna, you probably have noticed they can, they'll twist that antenna, they'll turn it, horizontal, vertical. And it's real easy to turn it until you hear the loudest, clearest signal. Uh, and then when it starts tumbling and changing up there, you can just kind of follow it with your hand. And uh, that helps a whole lot. Uh, having fixed uh, polarity antennas uh, is not the best way. I could put the cross antennas up there, but that's a whole lot more antenna, and I don't really want to go to the expense of all that right now. So I've kind of got the station working. The, the program is controlling the radio. It's setting the frequencies. It's following all the, uh, uh, the satellites and so forth. So uh, one of the things I've got to do is 
I've got to calibrate each satellite, and uh, uh, if I get a good pass, I can actually hear myself when I talk. I can actually hear myself come back on the other receiver, and uh, on the uh, uh, Sat PC program, uh, there's some buttons that you can click uh, that will actually move your frequency, and I can I can hear myself and I can see myself on the spectrum analyzer. I may be tuned here, but I hear myself coming back over here. And I can hit that little button, and I can move move my frequency back down, and almost get it lined up. But uh, it takes time to uh, to get all that straightened straightened out. So yeah, it takes a little bit of time to get squared away. Now, yeah. as far as your manual rotator thing, uh huh. Let me throw this in here. That was one of the things I really wanted to get going in my first book, and I had that done for the Yesu azimuth elevation controllers. Uh huh. And it would probably work on your little split setup there as well. And uh, that's actually going to be reprised in my current book. And it's going to be all updated and a little bit modernized. And I'm actually, uh, it'll run on Ham Radio Deluxe or the SAT PC32. And remember, there's still a free version of Ham Radio Deluxe that you can use. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I've thought about I've thought about trying to automate it. I don't know, Glenn. I tell you, there are so many wires. Right? You, you know, you wonder where do all these wires come from. If you look back here behind that radio right now, there's only like 382 wires back here right now. Oh, you got the miniature version. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, I've got a little PC set up. I think I'm using four or five uh, uh, USB ports on it. You know, right now <laughs> to make right. it work. Right. Oh yeah. Oh man. Uh, yeah. And but and that's that's the thing. But uh, you were talking about the antennas. I actually bought a pair of uh, Yaggies from a gentleman at Dayton a number of years back. They're wire Yaggies or quads. Yeah, the quads. Actually, uh -huh. they're they're little. They're Scorpion 88s is is the, the model number, and they're actually uh, two meter and 440 quads on one PVC frame, and. Um, I actually, up, up on my roof, I have one phased vertically and one phased horizontally. And then, of course, I've got the phasing cable between the two. Yeah. So I'm, I've got both horizontal and vertical polarization simultaneously with mine. Yeah, and that will help you out a whole lot, too. It'll yeah, it did. Yeah. Because I had the, uh, the Kenwood, uh, no, the Yesu 847. And I sold it so I could get the 9700 and get that all set up. And I'm like I say, it's still in the box. All right. Well, what else is new? Anything going on, guys? We have. I have kind of changed the timing of the show here to try to end about 9:30 um, instead of 10 o'clock at night. That that means I can get to popcorn a little sooner. Amen. Uh, and what I'm doing, what I'm doing is I'm leaving the 30 minutes of music on the front, and uh, this is what we're, this is what we send out the two hours on shortwave. The shortwave show uh, has the 30 minutes of music, and then an hour and a half of the show we have a two-hour slot on shortwave. So uh, that's kind of the format we've gone to right now. Uh, I will start opening the phone lines back up or uh, zoom back up again here uh, soon. Uh, when we have a little bit shorter show, we'll try to get uh, we'll get people uh, back involved here. Um, and see, for me, after the first of the year, I'll start in another research phase, and I'll start videoing a lot of what I'm doing. Yeah, 
Again, guys, if anybody out there, and I, I'm pleading for you, if anybody out there has any neat projects you built or, you know, some new antennas or just doing something or, hey, you know, if you want to, hey, come on here and give us a segment of something uh, something that people might enjoy looking at, you know, and uh, that way the show won't be boring, you know, every week. Hopefully it's not been boring. Yeah, just my segments week. will be boring. Yeah, I hope it hasn't been boring every week. Hey, guys, we're coming up with Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Let me tell you, out of all the holidays all my life, Thanksgiving is and was my favorite holiday. Out of all the holidays, I, I, don't, I don't know why. I guess I remember, you know, uh, you know, the, the, you know the, the lunches or dinners you know, with, the, with, with the whole family and the grandmothers and, you know, the cousins and, you know, everybody. As you get older, that stuff goes away. Yeah, you know, your kids, does. your kids get married. They move out. They move to Texas. Uh, you know, and uh, I see Chris in the chat room here. He's in Texas <laughs> right now. You know, and uh, uh, you know, your kids get married. They move away, uh, uh, and then they got other families. And you know, then you got a child. And I know as we were, as we were going through life, we had to. You know, uh, you know, uh, maybe this Thanksgiving we spend with this family, and uh, Christmas we'd spend with this family, and next year we'd spend Christmas with this one, and Thanksgiving with that one, and oh, you know. But as you get older, you can just say, you know, hey, uh, we're having it at my house now, you know, and uh, exactly they'll come over just because you know we do all the cooking. This year it's going to be different. I think our Thanksgiving may be Saturday this year, and uh, because we've got. Family uh, and grandkids that are out, they've got other places they got to be. So, no big deal. Uh, I'll have my Thanksgiving private Saturday. But still, it, it's going to be a special holiday, you know, for me. Yeah, I, I love Thanksgiving. You know, I love Christmas, but like you, Thanksgiving kind of means a little bit more to me. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have family here, but... Uh, I still cook myself a, a Thanksgiving dinner, and of course, this year I'm going to be uh, spending Thanksgiving with some friends. So, uh, yeah, Thanksgiving is is kind of more of a special holiday because, like you say, that was when the whole family got together, and you know that was so fun back then. Yeah, and and you know most of that family is gone now, so yeah, they've either uh, they've either either died and left us, or they they're you know they got their own families and boy things change but it's still a good yeah. holiday still a the good majority holiday. of my family is out there in the dallas area so yeah 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 okay well hey let me just make an announcement here before we close the show up uh, uh if you're listening out there on shortwave wbcq we really appreciate you listening uh the show tonight has been about ham radio it was called amateur radio roundtable and we're a weekly show you can find us on shortwave every every Thursday on shortwave from uh, five to seven p.m. Eastern time on seventy four ninety. And if you'd like to join us, if you have the internet, you can actually join our show live on Tuesdays. And our show is at uh, nine p.m. Eastern time on every Tuesday. So you can join us by going to w five kub dot com. And that's our official site. That's where we have the chat room. We do not use the YouTube chat room. 
Uh, we don't have any real control over the YouTube chat room. Uh, uh, it's just uh, been a lot nicer for us to have our own chat room. Plus, plus Hambot runs on our own chat room. Hambot would not run on, on uh, you know, the YouTube chat room. Anyway, hey, we're glad to have you tonight. Join us on Tuesdays if you can. Join us again on Thursdays every week. Remember, uh, you want to listen to us on podcasts. We've uh, we've got a podcast out there on all the podcast carriers. It's called Amateur Radio Roundtable. You can you can just do a search and you can find it there. You can hear us on WBCQ every uh, Thursday out there. And, uh, oh, man, let's see. Hey, don't forget to join our Facebook group. Please join our Facebook group. And all, our Facebook group is called W5KUB. And also, if you will, hit that subscribe button. Again, I'm helping you right there. I'm pointing toward the subscribe button. Please, please hit that subscribe button. If you're tracking our balloons, uh, hopefully uh, W5KUB 115 will be launched tomorrow morning. Uh, from Antarctica, and uh, let's uh, let's uh, uh, watch for it, and let's see. Uh, we've got uh, we've got three others up right now, and uh, let's see where they are real quick. Let me put them on here. So we've got three balloons flying right now, and I don't know if you can see them in it. Yeah, you can see them on there. I it's see kinda, one over Saudi Arabia. It's kind of small. And there's the one over uh, <clears throat> actually near Japan. Yeah, they're kind of small. We got the one down by Antarctica. It'll have uh, uh, a second flight down there with it hopefully tomorrow. We've got one right off the coast of. Uh, whoa, what, is that going over? Uh, what, what, is that over Japan now? Looks like it's over Japan. Yeah. Let me look. Let me look at that and see. Let me just zoom in there. Oh, yeah, we're just to the south of Japan a little bit right there, it looks like. Yeah, that thing's moving. Yeah, so, okay. And then we've got one. We've got the other one that's uh, somewhere down around uh, Saudi Arabia right now. So we got a bunch in the air. And Glenn, the one flying Glenn's call, KW5GP, is down in Antarctica. And let's see how fast you're moving, Glenn. Let's see. Oh, that's the wrong one. Wrong one. Be the fastest I've moved in years. That's the wrong one. Let me get. Let me see how fast you're moving down here. You are moving. Wrong one. Ninety. Huh? That's it. There you go. Yeah, Ninety-six miles per hour, Glenn. You're doing. That's, you're doing that's nearly a hundred. You're doing nearly a hundred miles that's, per hour. That's pretty good. Wow. I, you know what? You know, but but we really have to give Todd credit because, like you were saying, the weather down there is never optimal to launch balloons. And, yeah. So far, he has been able to get every one of them up safely and, like you say, to float altitude. And, you yep. know, they're all hanging in there, and that's just really amazing. Yeah, well, he did the weather uh, the weather prediction uh, two or three days ago. He said Wednesday looks like it's going to be the best day to launch. So he knew a couple of days out what day to launch. So he's, uh, he's really good on his weather stuff. And uh, uh, hopefully he can find a little hole up there in all those clouds and we can get that balloon there through tomorrow and uh um let's just see what he did happens. have one mishap uh, a calm day in that area is very rare because there's yeah. no trees at all the good news is yeah it's not gonna snag on a tree it might get caught by a penguin but yeah <laughs> i guess man 
you know. But uh, he did have one mishap that uh, wrecked the antenna on one of them, and he had to use my spare antenna. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that that at least it was recoverable. Well, I tell you, I, I I hope he went inside to hook that antenna. I hate to try to do something out there in the cold, man. You know. Well, I I developed on on mine. I actually had uh, the antenna with a little connector on it, a little JST connector uh-huh. that would plug into the board, so he didn't have to solder anything. Oh, okay, okay, that's cool. Well, uh, but they do have a lab there, a solder lab. Do you have any idea? Do you have any idea of uh, what process he's using to try to to seal the balloon or anything? Just tape, probably. Uh, Kapton tape. Uh, and the hole punch through it. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, he just folds it over, puts Kapton tape over it, and then uh, punches a tiny little hole through it. I sent a special hole punch down with yeah. him that's got a, like an eighth inch. Yeah, I've got hole one of those. On yeah. So, Bill, what I did, what, what I did uh, on my balloons, I sent down. Uh, you know, I I put maybe a four foot spring on there, and what I did, I taped it. I taped it down to one of the seams of one of the balloons, and then I then I took it and went through the hole in the uh, uh, in the filler. And that way, if it broke out of the filler or something, hopefully it would still be attached to the balloon. I mean, kind of as a safety deal. So we'll uh, we'll see. And uh, I saw that technique from. Uh, I think. Uh, yeah, I saw that technique from uh, one of the balloon companies. They they actually sent some balloons to me that uh, had the string attached to them. And they had it actually, you know, uh, the string actually taped to the balloon. And it uh, uh, looked like it held pretty good. So uh, I did do the hole, but I also did the secondary tape it to the balloon, you know. Well, he's got three uh, <clears throat> three more trackers to go. Um, and I think the last one is going to be a 10-meter one. So it ought to be very interesting to see how well that performs. Oh, yeah. that's going to be I, fun. I tell you, 10 meters is hot. I'm like, I'm looking at it and comparing mm-hmm. it to 20. It looks like it's got double the number of reports on it. I mean, it is just, it's just hot. And uh, and I'm amazing. Yeah. I'm uh, really amazed at how far these are reaching from the uh, Antarctica part of the Northern Hemisphere. We're getting... A lot of uh, Northern Hemisphere reports yep. in uh, all over the U.S., Alaska, even um, as Europe, China. Uh, it's just amazing how many people are receiving it in the Northern Hemisphere on just 20 milliwatts. Yeah. Uh, no, no, Mark. None of them have been lost. Uh, one had an issue because it was beat up uh, on. Uh, Launch, but it is still the K four UAH dash two is the one that so he had. What, what a about high the wind situation and what about the APRS only? Wasn't there one launch APRS only? Oh, that one. Uh, it's still flying. There's just no APRS stations except Newmeyer Station to receive yeah. it. If it does manage, that's K four UAH dash three. That's probably the one Mark is referring to in the chat room. Yeah. The uh, K4UAH-3 is an APRS on two meters, and they've they got great range uh, far beyond line of sight, uh, but there's no other uh, people listening for it. Um, 
Uh, I'm going to try and contact KC4USB and see if they can monitor 2-meter APRS um, now that I've found an email path to get a hold of them, but it's like a day or two delay. Uh, but uh, it's probably circling around just like these are um, in a very similar manner. Um, it might show up but, in a couple months somewhere. But but I think as the season progresses, some of these may kick out of the uh, polar region and actually uh, end up crossing across Argentina and Australia and New Zealand and Chile. And, well, but, uh, Bill, I don't, I don't know. Africa, so. I, I don't know if you followed uh, <laughs> my my friend uh, uh, my friend Michael A A six DY. Uh, you know, he he launched, he he launched one. It, it's, it, went, it went below the equator. It went below the equator. And it went all the way down to, I think, Peru. And it went across Central South America. Now it's starting to kind of aim back up to the northeast. I don't know if it's going to stay down here, if it's going to come back up, or what's going to happen. But that, that's one of yeah. the first one I've seen do that, really. Uh, NOB, uh, NOB uh, dash... Uh, one, uh, I forget what number, NOB 20 or something. It is flying. It was launched from Germany. Uh, it's been up almost half a year or so, and it ended up in the Southern Hemisphere, and it's been circling the Southern Hemisphere for months. Yeah. You see the one that says NOB? Yeah. Uh, that was All launched right. by a German station. So here, guys. Here's uh, if you if you want to wa- follow these, you can follow them on our website w5kub, uh, and click on balloon or uh, actually the URL is called ham tv ham slash balloon or you can get there by going to w5kub. But uh, uh, so the the left balloon, the left one here was launched six days ago. That's the one flying in Antarctica now. The one that says three days, it hadn't been launched yet. I got to reset the counter. It's going to be launched tomorrow. But we've got maps on here where you can see them. Uh, if you scroll on down, you can... Uh, uh, this is what's amazing me right here. Look at this one here on the left. Uh, W5KUB112. It's been up 164 days. That's almost a half a year, man. You know? Almost a half a year. So uh, that, That's, that's just, really impressive. Yeah, it is. For a little... What are the little Yokohama balloons? Yeah, yeah. But uh, again, I've got tracking on here that you can you can actually see them uh, here, and uh, you can follow them here on this page if you want to. All right, guys, it is time to shut down. We will see you next week, everybody. Thank you for being with us. Uh, uh, we had a great time tonight. Good to see you on here, Bill and Glenn, and have a happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, you and guys do too. We will uh we'll see you uh maybe next week on here if the creek don't rise. Seventy three to everybody. Had a good time tonight. Seventy three.